0: Success does not create happiness. Peace and happiness create success. There is no way to happiness or love. Love and happiness, peace of mind is the way. Beyond politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It's the study of consciousness The Mystery of Awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. This podcast from Michael Benner's Wisdom of the Soul class features weekly lessons in metaphysics, mysticism, and esoteric philosophy. Those who attend live and free of charge on Zoom may also participate in group meditation and Q&A. Register for our newsletter at michaelbenner.com. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Wisdom of the Soul class presented by the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I'm Michael Benner. Happy as always to be here. I do this every week, mostly because I love it, not because I have to. And it's all free for you and your friends. And if you're unable to be with us live any given Sunday morning at 11 California time, Uh, This whole video is posted on YouTube as the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, and we also have a podcast by the same name available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Recently, I've received some donations, and though this is free, we do have internet costs, so I just want to acknowledge how much I appreciate that and the fact that some of you feel like uh kicking a few bucks every once in a while that really means a lot to me, and there's a little note about it at the bottom of the newsletter each week. Today we're going to talk about consciousness. Uh, the word "conscious consciousness is complex. It has many, many meanings beyond, I guess, the first and most obvious: are you conscious or unconscious? Are you awake? alert, responsive to your environment, or are you unconscious and uh, not responding or responding in very minimal ways to your environment? I feel like uh, it's important to remember that even when we're unconscious as in sleep, that if the alarm clock goes off or uh, you know, a fire engine goes by your house, you'll probably wake up. So some part of you obviously remains conscious. And that leads to the whole idea of consciousness, which is always present. And many would say from birth to death, there is always a level of consciousness, whether we're conscious or unconscious. But I would argue that in the great mystical and metaphysical traditions, there is no birth or death. That Consciousness is infinite and eternal. And primarily what I want to talk about is the unconscious or commonly called the subconscious and its relationship to the conscious mind. But time permitting, uh, we'll go to this idea of consciousness with a capital C or awareness with a capital A, the root of being. The uh, closest we can come to a true identity of who and what we are as energy beings or spiritual
1: beings, beings of light and love. It's interesting, Eastern religions talk about consciousness
0: all the time. In the Western religions, the Abrahamic religions, it's referred to as love. And uh, it's confusing because Most of us think of love as an emotion. But uh, undifferentiated consciousness versus differentiated or individual consciousness is something that, again, time permitting, we'll get to near the end of the class today. Primarily, I want to talk about what does it mean to consciously access the unconscious or subconscious mind, and what is the preconscious? There is something uh, known as pre-consciousness. And this is not complicated. It's pretty straightforward and simple, but it's valuable. It really helps a lot when you want to learn and understand and remember how to be more conscious of that which is usually left to the unconscious or subconscious is a very valuable skill. So that's my story, I'm sticking to it. That's what we'll talk about today. Let's begin as we always do with uh, an opening meditation. Oh, and I also wanna make a brief announcement, a little bit of sadness, but a bit of a tribute. I, uh, I feel compelled to say something about the passing last week of a friend of mine and someone who I'm sure many of you know, and that's Roy of Hollywood on KPFK, Roy Tuckman. I first met Roy in the early 80s when I was at KLOS, and many of Roy's callers were telling him, Roy did the overnight show for 50 years on KPFK. Many of uh, his callers were telling him, about my show on KLOS. And somehow we got hooked up. Somebody, I don't remember who called who, but I felt an immediate affinity with this guy. And uh, his, his appearance can be a little intimidating. He's like Chewbacca. He was like 6'1 or 6'2, broad-shouldered, huge, fuzzy beard, Uh, Looked like a biker and somebody you wouldn't want to mess with. But in fact, he was just a very gentle being and uh, a compassionate and kind hearted social activist. More devoted to radio and bringing progressive news and information and entertainment. More devoted to that than anybody I've ever met in my life. He's sacrificed. I mean, you don't get paid much at KPFK. Most people don't get paid at all. I never took a nickel. But because he was on all night, five nights a week, he did receive a small salary and figured out a way to live on it. So it's like a, almost like a missionary, a radio missionary. And um, maybe best known for running the Alan Watts tapes every Thursday night was consciousness night. And so he felt strongly about running the Alan Watts tapes, Jack Kerouac tapes and, uh, other material like that, which we talk about in this class. Well, Roy was 84 years old and he, he died a week ago. And I talked to, uh, his widow yesterday. I just learned about it. And, uh,
1: We're going to try and hook up again. She's going to call Doreen when the dust settles. But just by way of tribute,
0: first of all, I'm sure many of you know Roy of Hollywood. And I I think you should know that he's passed. And um, if you go to YouTube
1: and search for Roy Tuckman, Elliot Mintz, those two names, Elliot Mintz,
0: was another radio guy that I've worked with at KPFK and ABC radio. Actually, Elliot did the KLOS talk show in the seventies,
1: which is how he met uh, John Lennon. He was very close to John and Yoko, but that's another story. Um, There is a video, 10 part video. And the
0: 10th part, this was filmed eight years ago. Is Roy talking about death? Elliot interviewing Roy about his ultimate demise and about death. And he talks about encountering death when he was 15 and his 18 year old brother died. And what he learned about death from psychedelic experiences LSD and mescaline and peyote and psilocybin. And it's fascinating interview and, and quite prophetic. I mean, we all die. Maybe it's not prophetic, but. It certainly
1: is relevant. So I miss him already. He was just
0: just a heroic guy and so inspiring. And I've always had so much admiration for him that I wanted to share that in class today. Because, again, I'm sure many of you know who Roy is and have listened to the Alan Watts tapes. and the other programming that he would do. So with that, let's uh, do our opening meditation. Get comfortable in your chairs or your
1: sofa or bed or meditation pillow and uh, assume the position. Relaxed, sitting upright, nicely balanced and centered. Back in the room, feeling better than before, and take a big breath.
0: Feel the letting go as you relax,
1: move around a little bit, maybe stretch, stomp your feet gently, get back in your body. Feeling better than before. Welcome back. Thank you for that. Alrighty. So let's talk
0: about. Well, I think a place to begin is this word subconscious, because we hear about the subconscious mind all the time, and it's not a clinical term. There's really no such thing as the subconscious. It, It really came out of the new thought movement of the early 19th century, the idea of a subconscious mind, sub meaning underneath or submerged.
1: It's basically an, uh, a synonym for the unconscious. So there's no distinction really
0: between the unconscious and the subconscious. It's just that if you talk to a psychologist or psychiatrist or most social workers who are trained in interpersonal counseling, they're more likely to talk about the unconscious. And if they use the word subconscious, it's just a figure of speech. We're talking about the unconscious. But then there's the conscious mind. Now, this is where our discussion this morning needs to begin with the understanding
1: that the conscious and the unconscious are not two minds. There's only one mind if we talk about the one mind in absolute terms,
0: that's the universe. That's the Godhead. That's the
1: first cause, the prime mover, uh, the absolute, the source of all. That would be the one mind. Sometimes referred to as the one life or the one heart. But, Consciousness, the mind becomes differentiated and individuated into individuals. And so
0: each of us shares an aspect or a segment of the one cosmic
1: mind. And so we have one persona mind, jiva nature, ego nature. There's one unconscious mind, the tip of which, 10% of which, roughly speaking, because we're not sure what 100% is,
0: is conscious. It's very much like an iceberg. That's the allegory that's used all the time. Icebergs may look enormous as you approach them, but it's only 10% of the story. Uh, The other 90% of the iceberg is submerged. And invisible and so it is with the mind we have as individuals
1: a single unified mind that is mostly unconscious and then a little bit of it in the morning when you wake up becomes conscious and
0: then as we go to sleep becomes unconscious but even then as they suggested at the top of the class today It's not a complete unconsciousness, like a deep coma, for example. Because if somebody uh, rang a bell or shot a gun, there was a loud noise, a person would wake up from their unconsciousness. Not true in a coma, for example, but in natural sleep. And there are stages of sleep. How deep? There's deep non-dream sleep. A year ago we did a class on brain waves the delta brain waves 0 to 4 cycles deep non-dream sleep and then theta is a REM state where we experience hypnagogic imagery but we're usually unconscious that's 4 to 7 cycles we can go there with consciousness which is part of the Whole point of today's class is how do we get greater conscious access to the unconscious mind? So theta is a state where we dream at night. And maybe you have a lucid dream and you're aware of the dream while you're having it, but most likely it's only when you wake up that you remember a dream. Or dreams. That happens in theta. Above that is alpha. And alpha is like uh, eight to 12 cycles. And this is mild relaxation, a gentle focus. We can think of it as concentration, but so many people that believe concentration is an effort that they may not know true concentration. If you look at children, Playing on the floor with their dolls or their trucks or their blocks or their board games, the whole rest of the world falls away. They're so focused in on what they're doing. Or a child outside on the sidewalk,
1: fixated on the ants and the roly polies, and sitting there for hours, just so
0: focused, and the rest of the world just falls away. That's alpha. It's a gentle state of natural focus and concentration, but you're awake and alert and aware. And then there's beta, which is anything above 12, all the way up to the high 30s, 40 cycles per second. And this is the uh, the state of external stimulation, wide awake, alert, focused out through your physical senses. And the more stimulated that we are, uh, the more scattered our attention, and uh, also the greater the tendency to think in binary terms and false dichotomies. You're more creative, have more insight and understanding and a better memory in alpha, uh, in that relaxed, focused state of concentration and expanded awareness. The wide awake, is not better in terms of creativity or comprehension or understanding. The more stimulated we are, the more scattered our attention. And again, it, there, there's also a tendency to think in either-or terms, all or nothing. Uh, you see this a lot in uh, the way news is approached. Anytime people get scared, they're going to go to either-or. So if your goal is to use fear to control and manipulate people, you're going to do that with the either or, all or nothing arguments. Like the right could not possibly say anything positive about Joe Biden, right? It's just that we lose that whole middle ground. We've talked a lot about that in the past. And so one of the benefits of relaxing, managing stress, letting go of fear and anxiety is to come back to this middle ground where you're, you're not asleep. So you're you're more aware, but you're also not in these high beta states where your attention is all over the place. And you want to tune the instrument right in the middle. That's where there is the greatest awareness. So the relationship of the conscious to the unconscious is very much like an iceberg. And what I want you to understand, if nothing else, is that There's a kind of a valve between the two. Now, I'm not talking about left brain, right brain. I'm not talking about the brain at all when we discuss the mind. The mind is not a physical organ.
1: The mind is mental, emotional, and physical, and spiritual for that matter.
0: The mind is everything. It's not just in your head. It, the mind, think of the mind as an egg shaped energy field all around you. Uh, when I ask you to move your awareness to the bottom of your nose, for example, people do that without thinking twice about the ability to move your awareness. Or if we do as we have in the past, these progressive muscular relaxation exercises. And I say, well, begin by moving your awareness to your feet and create and sense a letting go in your feet. And you go, okay, and you move your awareness
1: to your feet. How do you do that, right? How do you know you're hungry? There's something, how
0: do you know you need to use the restroom? There is a, a sensation in your body that, comes into your awareness. And conversely, if you move your awareness around, you, you can manage these things. Like if you're really hungry, but there's no food available right now, you can move your awareness to the area that feels the hunger, probably your belly, and breathe into it. Send a couple of breaths into that hungry tummy, and you'll find those sensations of hunger disappear. They just vaporize they'll return if you don't feed yourself because you need the food, but in the short term, you can breathe them away with your awareness and some breath it's quite remarkable in my book, Fearless Intelligence, I talk about the selective nature of awareness how uh, you could listen to music a, a a drummer who listens to music is always listening to the drums, and he or she may hear the other. Well, obviously, they will hear the other instruments in the song the lyrics, the guitar player, the bass, the keyboards, the strings, the horns, whatever. But he's listening to the drummer, she's listening to the drummer, and uh, the bass player would <laughs> tend to want to listen to the bass line. Uh, you don't want to go to movies with people in the film industry because they have a hard time enjoying the movie. Uh, the The sound designer is listening critically to the to the music and the foley and the sound effects. And the lighting guy is irritated by the bad lighting here and the shadows over there. And they're no fun to go to the movie <laughs> to go to the movies with because they have such focused awareness on their areas of interest you can go into a room where there is a dozen conversations happening among 80 or 100 people and without moving
1: you can shift your attention from one conversation to another not to the exclusion of all
0: the other sounds and noises you can hear the din everybody in the room speaking but you also have the ability without moving a muscle to focus your attention on this conversation. Perhaps aided by your eyes. You allow your eyes to help you. And then you look over here and see another group. You can tune your concentration, your awareness, your selective awareness to that conversation, pretty much to the exclusion of the others. Isn't this fascinating? That we're able to do this? I I, I think it's just... A mind-blowing ability, again, but we don't notice what we notice. We don't notice that we notice. We're just not that aware. Nobody's
1: taught us awareness. School boards and teachers beat their heads against the wall trying to get kids to concentrate,
0: try harder, concentrate. The worst thing you can do.
1: Take a breath, relax, be fascinated. Expand your awareness, develop your awareness. Then you have a better understanding of concentration. So let's
0: go back to this idea that even though mind is a concept having nothing to do with the brain or any physical organ, it's just an abstract concept. Imagine that there is a valve, like a faucet, between the conscious and the unconscious. And the more stimulated, the higher your brain waves; the more stimulated you are by externals or internal stress and anxiety, the tighter and more constricted this valve is,
1: which means communication between the conscious and the unconscious is restricted. When you relax deliberately and purposefully, that
0: valve dilates, it opens. And communication between the conscious and the unconscious improves. There's less resistance. In other words, relaxation, slow deep breathing, meditation, contemplation, using stress management to expand awareness, opens this filter, this valve. And the conscious mind now has greater access to the
1: unconscious. And yet it's a two-way street. So let's talk about the benefits of this. Let's start with memory. We all know the tip of the tongue phenomena,
0: where you attempt to recall something, and again, you have this internal sensation that we call tip of the tongue. Oh, it's right here, uh, hold on. It's so close, I can taste it. Give me a second. It's, uh,
1: um, uh, and the harder you try, the less likely you are to remember it. you see why?
0: Because the effort of trying to do something shuts down the valve. So you can feel it running away. It was so close, and now the harder you try to recall it, the more it eludes you. Damn! (laughs) So, how do you handle a situation like that? You make the effort, you reach for it, see if you can bring it in, but it's more a letting go than a reaching. Okay, you form the intention, but let go, let it drop in. And if it doesn't, if it eludes you, don't chase it. Don't go after it. Don't make an effort to remember. Instead, say to yourself, Or if you're in conversation with another, I'll remember in a minute. And then continue your conversation. Just let it go. I'll think of it in a minute. And let it go. And you know what'll happen. You know what'll happen, right? (laughs) It, It doesn't even take a minute. Usually 20 to 30 seconds later, it just explodes into your awareness. Maybe explode is overstated. It pops into your awareness. It comes to your attention. It bubbles up out of the unconscious mind because you let go. And so the valve dilates and there's less resistance and the memory stored in the unconscious now becomes consciously available
1: to you. So insight and understanding is the same thing. If you're trying to figure out a problem, how to understand uh, any any problem in your life the harder you try to understand it the less likely you are to understand it but if you let go if you're working on the computer and you're frustrated and can't figure something
0: out the best thing to do is stand up and walk away from the computer go get a glass of water go for a walk or something stretch
1: come back to the computer 10 minutes later, 30 minutes later, maybe the next day. And you look at your problem and suddenly it's, oh my God. Well, it was right here in front. That's easy. It was right here in front of me. Why didn't I see that?
0: Better question is, why does it take us so long to figure out that the harder we try, the worse we do? It's like that Chinese finger lock, you know, that. Woven straw finger lock. You put your fingers in and then you go to pull them out. And the harder you pull, the more tightly you're locked. That's the way the mind works. The harder you try, the worse you do. Writer's block, performance anxiety is all kinds of examples of this. The idea is to bring grace and elegance and
1: ease and peace to the situation. And then you open that valve. There's a technical term for it. I think it's called reticular activating
0: formation. But it's more of a neurological term than a mind term. And I don't really understand it, so maybe I shouldn't even mention it. But <laughs> scientists are aware of this. It's not just hippies and hypnotists and meditators that understand this, it's pretty well studied phenomena. So any learning, any understanding, any desire for insight and and enhanced comprehension is gonna improve with relaxation because we're integrating the conscious and the unconscious. With that valve open, when we relax, more information comes from the unconscious into the conscious mind. We get greater conscious awareness of the unconscious. What else is in the unconscious beside memory, learning, understanding? Well, the whole body's immune system is regulated by the unconscious mind. Again, the empiricist might say, no, no, Michael, it's not the mind, it's the brain that does that. All right, well, again, brain and mind are different models brain is a physical thing. You can hold it in your hand. Uh, The mind is an abstract concept for an energy that comes through the brain. And by the brain, it also comes through the heart and every cell and corpuscle (laughs) in your body, for that matter. Because, again, our individuated mind, conscious and subconscious or unconscious, is a differentiated segment of the universal cosmic one mind. More on that in a minute. Now, when I say this is a two-way street between the conscious and unconscious, not only do we get greater conscious access to the unconscious and the flow of information from the unconscious, into the oh I didn't make my point about the physical that's why you could manage blood pressure not to an extraordinary degree but certainly have a temporary influence on things like blood pressure or pulse or I talked about breathing away your hunger pains uh, there, there are a number of ways that we could influence the body's immune system with deep relaxation indeed Guided imagery or visualization has been known to boost the body's immune system and enhance various therapies such that the uh, so-called spontaneous remission of cancer uh, has been observed even in the absence of a treatment with nothing more than guided imagery or visualization. But the problem is that it's so variable and such a function of each individual case that it's really hard to generalize. So one person gets a miracle healing, their cancer disappears, they're cancer free, no trace of it at all, and uh, nine other people get no results at all. And so, it's hard to uh, it's hard to generalize. There's a study that just came out that eating. What, <laughs> this is a little bit of an aside, but I'll share with you. That says uh, eating a bowl of ice cream every day reduces the chances of getting diabetes. And this has come out in several studies, but the studies are being repressed because they're so counterintuitive that nobody can believe they're valid. Why would eating more sugar decrease the likelihood of getting diabetes when, you know, everything we know about diabetes mellitus is that it's the result of the toxic nature of too much sugar—that's the problem. We're all individuals, and there are these general things we can learn about healthcare and medicine, pharmaceuticals. We're more than the sack of chemicals. Uh, we are a sack of chemicals—a meat body, but we're conscious, and that consciousness is a factor. It's not the total story, but it's a factor. The nature of the cancer. How would you get the cancer? Why do you have the cancer? Hundreds of kinds of cancer, and not only many different kinds of individuals, but all of us are unique. DNA proves there's no two people with the same DNA. In a universe, I like to say, that won't even replicate snowflakes. So, that pretty much rounds out what's in the unconscious. But when I say it's a two way street, not only by relaxing and opening this valve do we lower the resistance and get a greater flow of memory and insight and understanding, the ability to influence the body's immune system from the unconscious into the consciousness. But the reverse is true the ability of the conscious mind to plant sets of instructions, affirmations, suggestions. Even commands, if you will, as seeds into the fertile unconscious mind is also greatly enhanced. So let's just take an aspect of learning. I, I want to learn a new language and I have to study all these vocabulary words. And I find that it takes me, oh, 10 repetitions of a word to actually learn it on average. I have to spell it, I have to conjugate it, I have to. Uh, know the definition, I have to use it in a sentence and know its meaning. And then after uh, 10 repetitions or so, I learn the word and I can use it easily. Uh, Become second nature. Well, if you did all of that in states of deep relaxation and combined it with visualization, for example, I dare say you could learn that word in two or three reps instead of 10 or 12 reps. You learn faster. Your understanding is more complete. This is, this is the heart and soul of accelerated learning, is learning, learning in a deeply relaxed state where there's less resistance. You're more open to change, more open to developing yourself, growing yourself, I mean, even the brain, this was, this was determined in a series of studies that culminated in a report in 2005, that the, we can literally grow the size, mass, and weight of the brain at any age. Even a middle-aged adult can grow gray and white matter with mindfulness meditation. And the amygdala, the fight or flight center, will actually atrophy and reduce in size as we practice feeling safe. No surprise then that there are studies that show in reactionary people, people with, uh, what shall I say, a hair trigger, they get easily frightened, an exaggerated amygdala, bigger. But. It can be grown, if you're a fearful person, it will atrophy and shrink in response to meditation. That fight or flight center, that cluster of neurons in the limbic brain called the amygdala. But the gray and white matter that contributes to higher brain functions in the frontal lobes and the cortex, that can grow. As you practice relaxation, ease and grace and ah, peace of mind and the happiness that flows from that. Success does not create happiness, peace and happiness create success. There is no way to happiness or love, love and happiness, peace of
1: mind is the way.